Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bad Movie Journalists. We've made it through another round. This is the first time that we are recording this episode. We definitely have not done any redos. This is not the second time we're recording by any means. I promise you that's not what happened. Anyways, I'm Christian. I'm Connor. For the first time, we are going to discuss this awful movie that we've watched. And for the first time, I will make the joke that Christian... We are back, we have not been cancelled, and it's either because a man has come and made a deal with us with an awesome cane, or because we don't have any sponsors to tell us what to do. It's one of the two, the world may never know. Although I will say, I had a very strange guest at my place the other day that I'm pretty sure had a pretty sick cane, so uh, I think maybe one of those might be more true than the other. I mean, the world may never know. Christian, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today? So this week we're watching Ghost Rider. Yes, the very famous and beloved, I'm putting a lot of air quotes around beloved, Nicolas Cage movie about the Marvel Comics superhero Ghost Rider. A film that is so puzzling that I am so surprised this was made right before Disney bought Marvel. I am really, really curious what it would be like if Disney had bought Marvel, including this movie, and this was the movie to start off the MCU. But here we go. We're talking Ghost Rider. I'll be transparent. I didn't know a ton about Ghost Rider coming into this movie. It's not exactly an IP that I know very well, but do you know what I do know very well and that I'd like to talk about for as much time as possible is Nicolas Cage. I could talk about this man all day. He has an Academy Award. He has the same amount of Academy Awards as Leonardo DiCaprio. He's possibly the most memed person in human existence. He married Elvis Presley's daughter. He got married last year, I don't know if you know, in in Vegas, and then annulled it four days later. He has so much weird property. He owns the most haunted mansion in New Orleans, also known as sometimes as the most haunted house in America. He owns a castle in England. He once bought a dinosaur skull only to discover that it was stolen and then returned it to Mongolia. He's one of the most generous philanthropists in Hollywood, but he's been brought under tax evasion charges as recently as 2009. He's been sued by multiple banks for seven-figure loans. And in 2017, it was reported he's in so much debt that he will literally take any role anyone brings to him because he just needs the money. The man's whole existence is just beyond my general comprehension. What is he doing? <laughs> like, what is this man doing? He is such an enigma, just like top to bottom. Nicolas Cage is a puzzling figure because one of the things that I think is so interesting about Nicolas Cage is that he's a good actor when he wants to be. Nicolas Cage has made genuinely good movies and played genuinely good roles and given really good performances several times. But then he goes from doing something like Mandy to this, where it's not that he's really playing like an extremely like different type of performance, but It's just amazing how you can really, really see an actor really try in some movies and just completely phone it in in others. And this kind of seems like it might be one of those more phoned-in performance. But as far as all that goes, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So, Connor, do you want to tell us a little bit about the overall summary and performance of this movie? Yeah, so Ghost Rider came out in 2007. It's obviously a superhero film based on the Marvel character, like you said. It was written and directed by Mark Steven Johnson, who also 
uh, wrote the awful Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, um, and then somehow recently wrote that Christopher Robin film that came out a couple years ago, the Winnie the Pooh movie, so he did a detour somewhere. Obviously, it stars Nicolas Cage as the uh, main protagonist, Johnny Blaze, or the Ghost Rider, and then his supporting actresses and actors are Eva Mendes, Wes Bentley, Sam Elliott, Donald Loge, Donald, I'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name, I've never known, Matt Long, and Peter Fonda is in this movie as essentially the devil. Man, we got Peter Fonda in this movie. <laughs> when I saw Peter Fonda walk on the screen, I thought, man, we really got esteemed Hollywood legend, Hollywood heavyweight Peter Fonda, man who has been acting since... I think the 60s is in Ghost Rider. What what did we do? Did did he actually sell his soul to, to the devil to be famous and then this is his punishment being in this movie? I am blown away. It was very strange seeing him come out. At the end of the movie, I was like, he must have owed someone a huge favor. Like, he had a debt that needed to be repaid. Because you noted here, like, you know, Helen Mirren joining the Fast Saga is another one of these where you look at an actor and you're like, how did this happen? But Helen Mirren has always, for years, said she wanted to be in the Fast Saga because it's just a fun franchise to be a part of. Uh, I don't think Peter Fonda looked at the Ghost Rider script and was like, this seems like a lot of fun. I actually love the idea of Peter Fonda getting a call from his agent and just exclaiming as loud as possible, yes, finally, I'm going to be in Ghost Rider. Maybe it was Nick Cage. Maybe being around Nick Cage sold him, but either way. Let me tell you about this film. It was not received well by critics, um, but was a pretty big box office success. So it earned $228.7 million on a $110 billion budget, so very easily made back its money. It grossed almost $15.5 million on its opening day. It came out over a four-day President's Holiday Weekend and earned over $52 million on that four-day weekend. It was so successful that they commissioned a sequel, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, released in 2012. Nick Cage reprised his role in that. That movie is objectively terrible. So we're not going to talk about that movie. We're going to talk about the first movie. Um, So as far as reception goes, this movie got a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes from 140 critics. It got a 48% audience score, which is a little better than I thought it would do, uh, but still not great. And then I got a 35 out of 100 uh, from 20 critics on Metacritic. Uh, which is a review aggregator. So some of my favorite um, reviews I wrote down here, um, Jeanette Katsui's from the New York Times, i sorry if I mispronounced your name as well, um, called Johnny Blaze more funny than frightening, which we'll get into apparently was a uh, character choice of Nick Cage, actually. Um, Eric Alt of the Chicago Times praised the computer-generated effects, but called the film a, quote, clumsy, lifeless outing. And then probably my favorite one, uh, James Christopher of the Times UK, wrote, quote, the plot is as corny as a country and western song, which rags on a movie and also epitomizes my hatred of country music. Uh, But Jan Stewart of Newsday, which is my hometown newspaper from up in Long Island, represent, um, said, surprised as I am to concede it, Ghost Rider smokes, which is a new phrase I'm going to be using about things that I like. And then Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian said, it's ridiculous, likable, with some pleasing reminders of the Blade movies, which I know you had a similar feeling about, right? I did, actually. It reminded me kind of of the same tone as the Blade movies, and not nearly the same quality of, especially Blade 1 and 2, which I think are, like, genuinely really, really great movies that 
uh, should everyone should go back and watch. That being said, I haven't seen them in a long time, so I don't know if they hold up. But my memories of the Blade movies were them being really good. So much can't be said about the third one, but it is a really fun movie. And maybe a movie I'd want to talk about on here. So uh, we'll see. Maybe that's a maybe that's a little stay tuned. Yeah, no, that's it. That's in the future. We we're compiling a list of movies, and I'm definitely going to put that one on it if you don't. But what was your general opinion of this movie? Like, you know, you know, what what were your feelings when you came out of it? You know, what's funny is that in the show notes, I actually wrote that I didn't like this movie very much. But now that it's been about a week since I've seen it, this was kind of a fun movie. Um, <laughs> I don't think. It was like a super great movie, but I enjoyed the time watching it. It was sillier than I remember it being when I saw it in theaters, but it was fun. It was just kind of a silly, but also dark toned uh, superhero movie. What do you think? What's funny is we're going to actually kind of flip flop here because I liked the movie a lot um, from a entertainment standpoint. Like very strangely, I liked this movie as I watched it. Make no mistake, it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie in so many ways we're going to cover. But it's one, it's actually a really good representation of pre-MCU Marvel, you know, bankrupt Marvel. It's not great. But it's fun. There's some decent humor, there's action, there's some pretty good special effects in places. Some of the acting is entertaining. And of course, Nicolas Cage is being Nicolas Cage in this film. Um, But I actually, we were texting, since we've watched this, I went to a local theater here uh, that was doing a Christopher Nolan homage over the weekend. And they played The Dark Knight. And so about three days after I watched this movie, I watched perhaps the greatest superhero movie of all time. And I came back going, oh man, this movie's not good, is it? But it's, you know, when you see actual good cinema and then you see something like this again, you're like, oh man, this falls short in so many ways. But while you're watching it, it's very entertaining to be, you know, immersed in the movie as it's going and to be watching Nicolas Cage. Definitely. And I mean, to be fair, uh, in, in this movie's defense, strangely, it's hard to compare anything to The Dark Knight. I mean, it's hard to take any of or a lot, rather, of the MCU movies that I think are genuinely great and stack them up even against The Dark Knight. But that doesn't mean this movie's secretly good or anything. Like you said, I have very similar feelings about uh, this movie. It was it was a fun watch, but not much substance in there. Just a really Just a really fun movie. But while I'm on the subject of fun, Connor, would you mind throwing a, a couple fun facts at me? I do. I have our fun facts, question mark. Uh, really what this is, Christian, is I want to run down the production of this film because this was in Boondock Saints level production hell. Um, so Ghost Rider was commissioned by Marvel as early as 1992, which is 15 years before this movie came out. They were in discussions with potential producers to sell the rights as early as 1997. Producing, production was supposed to start in 2003 on this one with Nicolas Cage attached but was delayed for years for a number of reasons, including that Nicolas Cage needed to film The Weatherman. And and this is a quote, the lack of a workable script, which is pretty important to a movie, to have a workable script. Um, some other actors were attached to this role before Cage took it. In 2002, Eric Bana was attached to it, but opted to do uh, the Hulk movie that came out in 2003 instead. And then my favorite was in 2001, Johnny Depp, was tagged to play the Devil's Bounty Hunter. Could you imagine a Johnny Depp Ghost Rider movie? Well, you know, it's funny that you say imagining Johnny Depp as the Devil's Bounty Hunter because I don't know too much about Johnny Depp's personal life 
other than he enjoys quite a bit of wine. But if you told me that Johnny Depp in real life was also the devil's bounty hunter, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, actually, now that you said that, he, he kind of has the look in the general general saunter about him that he can't die. So this begs the question, is Johnny Depp the ghostwriter? Listen, guys, get that trending on Twitter. I want to see hashtag Johnny Depp devil bounty hunter within 48 hours of this podcast coming out. For Eric Bana, oh man, dude, that guy, I don't think he's a bad actor, but just the luck of this dude. I mean, can you imagine having your, can you imagine a Hollywood coming, you're a fresh star in American cinema, and someone's presenting you with, hey, do you want to be Hulk, or do you want to be Ghost Rider? In your mind, you're probably thinking, it's a win-win situation, I'm going to be a huge star every way, and... Jeez, the Hulk is just a rough movie to watch. He surprisingly made the wrong choice considering what this movie became, but poor Eric Bana. He should have been so much better. Um, but the last fun fact I have is a, is a real fun fact. So there was a promo shot, a real promo spot for this movie, where the Ghost Rider was featured for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services in a commercial in which the character presented his income tax form to a clerk for processing so he could receive a quick refund check. The man with no skin, the flaming skull, the leather jacket, the demon bike, the devil's bounty hunter was filing his taxes on a commercial in real life. Hey man, it doesn't matter where you're from, North Carolina, Ohio, hell, it doesn't matter. The IRS will get you, (laughs) is what this teaches us. You can only cheat one of death or taxes, Um, and since Johnny Blaze was cheating death, he got hit with the taxes. There are a couple other things I want to talk about, but I do want to get to them during the actual part of it, because I think it'll tie pretty well into our conversation. So let's just dive into the bin, insert sound of trash can here. Things generally just happened in this movie, Christian. Uh, That was my my main problem with it was that they barely made an effort to explain things to us in this movie. Things just kind of happened. You never really know why. And even when they do explain it to you, it's kind of in passing. It's almost like you're supposed to kind of just understand what's going on. And this is Sam Elliott's telling you and reinforcing it. It, it, it does not do a good job of explaining what's going on to someone who's not even semi-familiar with the lore of this character. It absolutely, it does that 100%. It doesn't make any sort of sense at all in terms of the plot like you're saying things just kind of happen with no explanation and it kind of simultaneously moves at a breakneck pace but also feels extremely slow and like nothing happens it's very puzzling all i remember of watching this movie is it starts out a young actor playing one day nicholas cage uh walks out and then the devil comes sells his whole uh, dad dies, and now he's Ghost Rider. And it's like, hold up. I need some explanation for something going on here. One of the notes I wrote down was like, the kid is supposed to be about 17 when the devil comes, and he asks no follow-up questions. He just signs the deal. This man appeared out of nowhere. He's offering to cure his dad of cancer magically. He has literally no questions about this this offer deal at all. He doesn't suspect a single thing. 
I was 17 and stupid, but I would have been like, I'm going to call the cops. At least if a man was presenting me with a contract, I would consult an attorney. I don't understand. He was just like, sure, I'll put my blood here. Just it doesn't make any sort of sense. It really doesn't. And uh, this isn't something I wrote in the show notes, but this actually I feel like I have to bring this up. The actor that plays young Johnny Blaze and then the actor who is the younger performer for Ava Mendes' character, I don't remember the character's name, uh, Roxanne. Her, her name is Roxanne. Anyways, their actors are the same age, and then you see them in an indeterminate amount of time later, and you want me to believe that Nick Cage and Ava Mendes are the same age? <laughs> well, hold on. I actually wrote down a note that says, quote, making, making that person young Nick Cage feels very gratuitous for Nick Cage. I don't know. <laughs> doesn't seem doesn't seem very accurate. While we're talking about those two, I did not feel you could never ever convince me that Nick Cage and Eva Mendez are going to have believable sexual chemistry. Like, that's a thing where if those two were dating in real life, I'd be like, someone has a video of someone. Like, there's blackmail involved. There's no way... And, like, they would kiss on screen, and I was watching it with my girlfriend, and she was like, that was the worst movie kiss I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, they have just zero chemistry on the screen. And, of course they don't. It's Eva Mendez and Nick Cage. Yeah, it it doesn't work at all you i mean like you said you have a ava mendes who is extremely beautiful and then you have nicholas cage who uh you know i mean i'm sure there is a population that find that thinks he is a very attractive man um but their relationship doesn't work in the slightest it doesn't really make any sense why she would want to be with him at all it, they don't build towards it. It just kind of seems contrived, really convenient for the entire movie plot. And something that really struck me is just strange and didn't make any sense was just the fact that Ava Mendes seems so desperate in this movie for Nick Cage's character to like her. There's literally a scene where they're supposed to go on a date and she gets ghosted <laughs> by the ghostwriter. And she proceeds to, instead of just leaving like a normal person would if they were ghosted on a date, she just sits at this restaurant set for two by herself and gets extremely drunk and is asking the waiter, do you think I'm pretty? I'm sorry, Ava Mendez. Yes, he does. (laughs) I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. It just seems like such a strange choice to have her sitting in a restaurant alone begging for a guy to notice her. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> if Eva Mendes wasn't world famous as, you know, this brilliant actress, uh, she would turn heads on any street in America. And it's very strange to have her sitting in a restaurant with, you know, and not to, um, you know, only compare people by their looks. I'm sure that uh, that very nice waiter had a great personality. But he was, you know, at most like a five or six out of ten on a scale. Uh, how dare you criticize Eva Mendez waiter? I don't, I don't have any respect for that person after that, that, that imaginary character. It doesn't make any sense because not only does he like not give a response, he just kind of haphazardly shrugs at her. Like, does does he even have a line? No, he doesn't. He he shrugs and makes like an eh sound, and that's the end of the conversation. Also, that man's a waiter. He's supposed to be doing nice things to get tips. He should have gotten no tip. Back when I was a waiter, if someone came to me and be like, do you think I'm good looking? I would have been like 10 out of 10. Do you want to go on a date right now? 
because they're going to tip me better. That's just how the world works, unfortunately. Um, but enough talk about waiting. Um, another thing I mentioned I had about this movie that I wanted to talk about was the fighting because it's not good. There's some like decent action in this movie, like the scene where he's being um, like chased by the police and he ropes the helicopter. A lot of that's fun, and he like can summon the fire, and that looks really good. And then he fights Blackheart, and he fights the the hidden, and most of the fights are over in about 15 seconds, and there's barely any like cool things that happen. Like most of the time, he just hits them with his chain and wraps them up or punches them, and then that's the end of it. The fighting in this movie should be so much better than what it was. It's extremely disappointing, and that's more than anything, more than just the kind of mess of a script and plot that this movie has. I feel like that's probably the biggest issue with this movie, is that the action has no weight at all. Do these people even have superpowers? And to be honest with you, I don't know. It just kind of seems like they have regular guy strength and they're just kind of hitting each other but not even in like a fun or brutal way it just seems like i don't know just really really lazily choreographed the villains go down extremely extremely fast i don't remember any of the villains name other than blackheart he's the only one who has a name i remember i think the other ones were named but i could not tell you who any of his gang of thugs were the hidden were at all they were just people that he hit and killed and then blackheart too he goes down in a second they didn't even barely fight he just kind of hit him a couple times and was like oh no i'm dead that's probably the most and you wrote down here this movie can be described as wasted potential and that's what i felt like watching because especially after you know obviously you guys can't see this but we there, we have a doc and Christian put in photos of what like actual Blackheart looks like and it's so cool and then they made this character in his final form which is Legion which he's got you know a thousand souls or whatever the convoluted superhero thing is behind that and the first line that he says in this form is my name is Legion for we are pregnant pause many I'm not taking you seriously after that. That's the worst introduction for a supervillain I've ever seen. And the hidden are supposed to be, like, elemental. That's why, like, one can turn into gas and one is in the water and one is the earth, I think. Um, they're, like, the other elements to combat Ghost Rider's fire. You wouldn't know that, of course, unless you'd done any research on the movie because they don't explain it at all. And it's just really disappointing. And, like, I like Wes Bentley, too. He is uh, he's a villain in everything. Um, so he's in his perfect role here. And they just, it just... It's just a waste of him. Because I've seen him be much better than this with much worse backstory. I think another good example of just things that are complete, completely wasted in this movie is Sam Elliott as Carter Slade. I think... It's a little telegraphed, and it's pretty obvious that he's going to end up to be the former Ghost Rider when it's finally revealed. But he doesn't do anything. He literally rides with a Ghost Rider to where they're going, so he can show so he can show down with Wes Bentley's character, and then leaves. He's little, like I just thought it was such a strange choice to give this big reveal of yeah, I've got one final ride in me. Let's get this done. And then he literally takes them there and is like, well, it's all I had. 
he probably didn't have to transform if he was going to die. He was just going to ride a horse, right? I mean, I thought, like, Sam Elliott is a great actor, and we'll get into that um, in my version of The Beauty, but it's kind of just a deus ex machina where he just knew everything, and because of that he could explain it to, like, all of us and to Johnny Blaze. And it just, you know, is super telegraphed that he was the last guy because he's the only person who can tell the story. It's just, it. a lot of this is just wasted. And it kind of makes me interested to go see a lot of, like, the Ghost Rider lore and read some up on it because it does seem like that character and a lot of these villains have, like, a lot of potential. It just doesn't doesn't hit well at all. I completely agree with you, too. And I mean, like, unfortunately, like, Ghost Rider's not a character, like, I am super familiar with the lore with. Like, out of... Probably out of all the main big Marvel movies that I come up, that have come out over the past twenty years, this is definitely on the very low end of properties that I'm familiar with, which is unfortunate because he's a cool character on paper, and then he's done just really poorly in a film like this. Yeah, and it's his only representation too, um, because he didn't get the MCU treatment, which I'm pretty sure it has something to do with Disney not wanting to display a character on its family-friendly programming called The Devil's Bounty Hunter, Um, but perhaps a conversation for another day. Um, But I do want to move into the beauty, Christian. Is there anything else you want to touch on in the bin? No, no, that's it. I'm I'm all ready. Hit me with that actual good stuff about this movie. All right, now that we've ragged on this film, time time to turn face, talk about why it's great. Why it's great, let's start off right off the top. Nicolas Cage. He is acting in it, therefore it is great. He's it's very strange because like I mentioned, he he made a conscious choice that he talked about where instead of playing Johnny Blaze like this, you know, badass character that he's supposed to be, you know, he's this hard drinking and smoking sort of, you know, badass, Cage decided to play him with a little more depth. He's playing you know, he said he's playing him, quote, as someone who made this deal and he's trying to avoid confronting it, anything he can do to keep it away from him. And that actually comes across pretty well in the movie. You know, we were talking about earlier, Nicolas Cage is actually a good actor. He plays this as almost like a kid, essentially. Like, he has this sort of, like, childish sense of humor, and he's doing all the goofy and funny things. And because he's Nicolas Cage, you kind of laugh at it. And then he kind of pivots into this different character when he becomes the Flaming Skull, and it, it it's surprisingly effective. It's much more effective than it had any right to be. I definitely agree with you too. Um, I liked him overall in this movie. Um, I I think it's kind of interesting how he starts out the movie, and, and now we know it's a conscious choice. But he starts out the movie kind of almost giving a weird comatose performance that doesn't seem very Nicolas Cage. Like he starts out a movie and. One of the first notes I wrote down is like, man, Nicolas Cage looks like he took a handful of quaaludes before stepping on set. But it, qu- it quickly turns around once he gets into all the Ghost Rider kind of business and he has that big uh, transformation. And I thought that was a pretty fun transformation where he's freaking out and he doesn't really know what's happening. And he's like almost like laughing because he's going through this just like extreme pain of, I guess, almost like probably the feeling akin to being like internally immolated where your entire body is just literally setting up flames and there's nothing left by a skeleton. Um, and I think he like translated that really well. And I also really liked, like you said, how he kind of had this weird childlike mentality. It, it almost reminded me of how maybe what happened was that after he sold his soul to the devil, just the person that he was just completely stopped being a person and he was just a soulless 
body going through life up until finally the Ghost Rider comes out, and that's when he kind of, like, becomes more of a normal person again, if that makes sense. Even when he does that interview, he's basically, like, comatose. Like, the only thing that even gives him, like, a semblance of emotion is when he sees Eva Mendes. And even then, he's still, like, you know, his first line to her when he catches up in the thing is, howdy, howdy, howdy. And he says it, like, super chill. So it's basically like he just stays a kid the entire time. Um, He doesn't really grow... And then, like you're saying, when he becomes Ghost Rider, you can kind of see he starts living a little more. So, yeah, that's definitely, like, an interesting theory. Where did you fall, kind of, you know, one of my favorite moments was the transformation, the first one. Um, Like you were saying, I think only Nicolas Cage, by the way, can pull that off, that, like, sort of crazed screaming that he was doing. I don't think anyone else really can be that convincing when you do stuff like that. It's just because Nick Cage is an insane person. Um, but where did you fall on the effects for this movie? They weren't terrible. Um, I actually thought they were pretty good, especially for the time. Um, I thought the design of the character looked pretty cool. I'm an easy person to get when it comes to things like this. The character design is a flaming skull in a leather jacket with spikes, which if you know anything about my personal life, that is just how I choose to dress. So, yeah, his look worked on me. I thought it looked really, really good, especially for the time. I mean, 2007, of course, it doesn't really hold up to recent stuff, but I imagine seeing this 13 and a half years ago now probably looked pretty awesome in theaters, and I'm pretty sure I thought it did too, so it worked for me. I wrote down that I'm not sure where I fall in the effects, but I think favorably, question mark? Some of the stuff was really well done. Like, the first transformation, a lot of the transformations when he, the becomes the demon bike or the fire horse with uh, Sam Elliott. Um, he turns that shotgun into, like, a... I keep saying demon, but that's essentially the only way I can describe it. Like, a demon gun. Um, a lot of that stuff is really, really good-looking. Um, so I think in the moment, it's, it's pretty good, and especially, like you're saying, for 13 years ago. It feels pretty good. Um, it's a little damning when you think about the fact that Iron Man came out the next year. But I think it it sets like a pretty good ground point of when you can see Marvel and Disney starting to really figure out what they could do. Um, it almost feels like dawning kind of into the MCU in terms of like effects and everything like that. I thought for the most part it came out pretty well. I think so too. Uh, another thing I thought that like actually looked kind of cool was his penance stare. That's kind of like, as far as I know, one of Ghost Rider's signature moves. And it's a cool power. Uh, he stares into you and he makes you feel all of the pain that you've ever inflicted upon everyone else in the world. So the worse of a person you are, the worse the penance stare affects you. And I think that the way they show it in the movie where it looks like the inside of your eyes have been burned out and there's nothing left but just cinders and ash inside of your skull now it, it looks really cool on, on on screen to me yeah no you're right and i liked the part it's a little comical to like on a couple of them because they linger there for a long time but it was pretty cool when you go in and they give you like you zoom into the eyes while it's happening of the victim and then you get to see like all these people that are suffering in that person so you get to almost see kind of what they're going through as they're going through the penance area. And then when you come out, it's like, like you were saying, like it's almost like ashes have gone over their eyes and then they go limp. So it's a pretty cool visualization. Like I said, they do, um, like the first one, they linger there for like 20 seconds, it feels like. And eventually you're like, all right, that's, <laughs> we can move on now. But it's, it is pretty cool to like watch all that happen at the same time. Another thing that I liked about this movie 
Um, this movie has a lot of what I call that guys. I call them that guys because when I'm watching a movie, I immediately don't recognize their names, but I recognize them. A lot of those are like Brett Cullen's in this movie. Like I mentioned, Donal Loge and Wes Bentley are in this movie. There's an emo Rebel Wilson cameo before she does Pitch Perfect, which is really fun to see because I did not know she was in this. But I want to shout out Sam Elliott because Sam Elliott, I think, has been playing the same character his literally entire life. He doesn't seem to age. Nothing about him ever seems to change. But he is a joy to see on screen every time I see him. I've never watched a movie where I've been like, man, Sam Elliott's not doing well here. Oh, God, I could have done without Sam. Every time I see him, I'm very joyful to see him. He turns in a performance that I enjoy, even if it's the same performance over and over again. I completely agree. And while I think a lot of the people in this movie are wasted, like Peter Fonda or Wes Bentley or Sam Elliott or Ava Mendes, it doesn't mean it's not good to see them regardless. Especially Sam Elliott, like you're saying. There's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time now, which you agreed is on your Hulu watch list, and it's The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. And A, it has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. So... It sounds like it's really, really good. And B, Sam Elliott's the main character. Say no more. I want to see that. You put that in the doc and I was like, don't you worry. I've I've been waiting to watch it. Because it's like one of the first things that loads up on my Hulu. I guess it's very similar to what I watch on there. And it doesn't have the whole title. It just says, the man who killed Hitler and dot, dot, dot. But it's a photo of Sam Elliott walking with like the sun behind him holding what appears to be a shotgun. So I was like, oh, I've got to watch this. And then I found out it's the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. And it's really well regarded. I was like, I absolutely have to watch this. It's actually what I'm doing tomorrow night. Um, not to give away my weekend plans too much. We are in a quarantine, though. Um, but yeah, no, he's great in this movie. And he's just always a joy to see. But like you're saying, a lot of the characters, like especially Eva Mendes, just feels wasted. I like seeing Eva Mendes. She's very beautiful. She's a great actress. But nothing here is like super inspiring. But I do love a movie that's full of people who I look at and then immediately have to pull up my phone at IMDb and be like, I saw this guy in an episode of House in 2002. That's how I recognize him. That is that is hilarious, actually. I actually didn't know at all about the Rebel Wilson being in this movie, but that's pretty cool, actually, to see her in there. And then look how big of a star she is now. I mean, she's massive. She's in those Pitch Perfect movies, and she's had her... A bunch of her own, I think, solo comedy performances. So, I mean, hey, good for her. Yeah, and I mean, the last thing I want to do before we move into The Cell um, is I want to shout out the comedy in this movie because it shouldn't work. It's very dumb, but it does work, and it worked a lot on me. Like, one thing I wrote down, I wrote it in all caps. It's in part of the movie where Nicolas Cage is um, essentially trying to prove that he can uh, defy death. He just picks up a hot pot of coffee and drinks from it like off the bin in his hands just pours it down his face and then he does two jumps that at no point even pretend to be humanly or physically impossible one of them is that he jumps over a football field full of helicopters and he finishes one of them there's no way that's meant to be taken seriously and then Eva Mendes leaves the stadium and he catches up to it from his jump like immediately she's supposed to be on the interstate by the time he launches, and then he just pulls up next to them and is doing bike stunts to get their attention. It's like a bunch of stupid stuff like that that kind of occupies the first half of the film, but I don't know if it's Nick Cage, I don't know if it's just the tone of the movie, but all of it made me laugh. 
It also made me laugh, too. I'm a sucker for uh, just really stupid puns. Things like calling him bonehead or him saying, feels like my head's on fire. You know, stuff like that, as dumb as they are, it just works on me, you know, because <laughs> it's it's silly. It's not taking itself too seriously, which is kind of something I kind of something I wish they kept throughout the rest of the movie, just not taking itself too seriously. But stuff like that works. Like you're saying, the idea of him leaving one of the jumps he does and then somehow being assumedly miles away on the interstate to catch up with a car that's been gone for probably, I don't know, an hour or two at this point is crazy. This is my, does this motorcycle go 300 miles an hour? How did it get there so that quickly? I have so many questions about that. Yeah, and a lot of the bike's powers just don't make any sense. Like at one point he turns it into a jet ski, <laughs> a fire jet ski on like the river. And I was like, sure, that works, I guess. <laughs> like it doesn't even, even Mendez goes to that date that you were talking about where she just goes to and she pulls out a magic eight ball out of her purse who walks around with a magic eight ball who is like i'm going on a date i gotta bring my magic eight ball in case we need a question answered it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't even pretend to try and be logical in so many spots but to me that's hilarious like i, I a lot of it was just like clearly stuff they did to get a giggle and it worked um, but that was basically all I had for that. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, no, that's pretty much it. I think I'm ready to, uh, make a purchase. You got anything to sell me, if you will? I got, I got my final closing statements here, Christian. I'm going to convince the jury that, that the Ghost Rider is a good movie. So one, I think if you're someone who never really took in pre-MCU movies or is suffering from that quote-unquote superhero fatigue... This movie is something to experience because it shows you how far we've come on this genre. This movie is one year before Iron Man, which I still would put in the top five of MCU movies um, in terms of like plot and effects and everything. It still holds up very well. This was less than 12 months before that movie. It might as well be from like the 90s. It's incredible to look back and, and look at that and see that one out of two audience members who left liked this film knowing that superhero movies were about to hit their golden era and become basically prestige entertainment. So in that respect, you have to watch this because this will take you back to a time where you'll come back appreciating what Marvel and Iron Man and Captain America and all these sorts of movies have done for just cinema in general uh, in terms of like, you know, family and entertaining cinema. You write about this being the Ghost Rider's Essential only mainstream appearance. Johnny Blaze's only appearance, too. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show used Robbie Reyes' version, who is a later incarnation of the Ghost Rider within the, the background story. And again, I'm assuming that Disney doesn't want to have, you know, again, the Devil's Bounty Hunter on its, on its family-friendly programming. But if you are someone who kind of wants to get into this, this is a pretty good place to take off because it's it's got me interested, I'll tell you that much. I think if you're a big fan of this character from the comics and from the graphic novels when you're you want to see this like swaggering badass version of him, it's probably isn't for you. But to me, it's interesting to watch this character who essentially turns into a fire emblazed badass at night, kind of switch back and forth between this childish immature guy to a literal demon who made a deal with the devil. So I think that, you know, if this is something where, like me and you, you're not super into this, this might be a place to like 
kind of ease yourself in and see if it's something that you know you think you'd want to know the backstory of and then lastly Nicolas Cage is in this movie and again I will watch any Nicolas Cage movie ever that's not sarcastic at all this man has more Academy Award wins than Brad Pitt he's a good actor secondly he may be the weirdest dude and he may give the strangest performances he may walk around like he's high or on quaaludes he may alternate between those two in any given scene but we also just watched Taylor Kitsch and Val Kilmer play wet bag versions of really captivating lead characters or what should have been captivating lead characters. So at least Nicolas Cage makes you feel something when you watch the movie. Is it always what you want it to be? What the director wanted it to be? What Nicolas Cage wanted it to be? Probably not. But did I laugh at almost every time he did that weird point? He did a point, you know, obviously this is an audio medium, but he did a point where he kind of like would slowly raise his arm and his hand was kind of like fully outstretched. So he was almost pointing at you with like three fingers. It was very, and it was like turned to the side. It was very strange and I laughed every time, but at least I wasn't bored. At least I wasn't falling asleep. At least I wasn't going, Jesus, this man mailed this in. And for so many movies that we have watched and we're going to watch, that would be a wild improvement. So I think it's just worth watching these sorts of movies, and especially this movie where he's taking a different turn on a pretty legendary character. It's worth it just to watch it to see kind of what he does and feel what he makes you feel when you watch these. Yeah, I I agree with you on all that. Um, for me, you know, like like we said, it's so cool to see what Marvel was making right before the MCU happened. I think that is that this is probably like one of the best representations of that. Also, stuff like Fantastic Four, very similar vein. But we don't know if we're going to get any more of this character. Whether or not Disney will make it is kind of up in the air. You know, they like to make their whole family-friendly programming and all that stuff. But Disney's also getting a little bit more adventurous now and is going to make Blade here pretty soon. So... They could do it, but I wouldn't necessarily hold out on it coming out anytime soon. So until then, this is the best Johnny Blaze we got. And it's fun. You know, it, it is a fun, it's a silly movie. It's not the most serious movie. So, you know, if what you want out of this is something more along the lines of a horror movie or something where it's like a really intense, hard action movie, this isn't really that. It's kind of... It's surprisingly silly. Um, it's surprisingly lighthearted at points and just kind of fun. And I enjoyed watching it. You know, like like we've said before, I, I like short movies, and this isn't a very long movie either. And that also works to its credit. As much as I like the Marvel movies that are being made today, one of the complaints I will say about them is that they're all like two and a half hours to three hours long each. And that's just a long time in the movie and Ghost Rider doesn't need to be on screen for that long. So having a crisp two hour film works for me. Um, you know, it's fine. That's the exact amount of movie that I want to see on top of all that. Like I said before, the aesthetic of the character is cool. You know, there's a certain population out there. I definitely fall into this category where you have the main character being just a flaming skull guy. Yeah, sign me up. I'll watch anything where the main character is a flaming skull in a leather jacket that rides a motorcycle. That sounds so cool. 
to me. So if you know if you're if you're like that, if that's kind of right up your alley, give it a shot, give it a watch. We've also said before when we talked about Death Note on this podcast that it makes you want to go back and kind of learn more about the characters, and I'll say that too. I can't really say whether or not this is an accurate depiction of Johnny Blaze. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the material, but I will say this makes me kind of want to go back and find out uh, how much they missed the mark on it. So that's definitely a thing to pay attention. And again, anything that um, kind of makes you more interested in the original source material, I think is a good thing because then it exposes people to work that is really, really good. On top of all that, if you need more reasons to see this movie, Nick Cage just has some great lines and does some really silly gags. One of my favorites is that he's going to do this really big tr- jump where I think it's when he jumps over the football field and he crashes. And Nick Cage just gets up, doesn't bat an eye, and says, Heck, yeah, the Devil's Bounty Hunter is afraid to say H-E double hockey sticks. He just says, Heck. And to me, that's really funny. Yeah, I mean, that... that- that jump crash and line afterwards kind of epitomizes what this movie is in one scene. Like, if you will watch that, you get a general idea of what the tone of this movie is. And if anyone's interested, by the way, if you just... Want, when the bounty hunter, when the devil's bounty hunter, when Ghost Rider puts on that leather jacket for the first time and saunters out, if any of you want to know, that's what Christian looks like on a daily basis. He has skin, but... Fashion-wise, that's exactly what he's looked like every time I've ever seen him at any point in our friendship. If for nothing else, you can see what Christian generally looks like um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, there, there you go. That's, that's exactly what uh, I, I look like. You know, uh, if it wasn't quarantine going on right now, if, you know, there still wasn't a pandemic going around, because there still is, in case anyone wasn't aware somehow, I would be out right now wearing a leather jacket in 100 degree heat because that is the exact type of person i am (laughs) no it's 100 percent. if you could be engulfed in flames safely at all times i feel like you would as well but speaking of the quarantine i i hope that at some point like in the future someone is listening to this podcast like three years five years from now something like that going through the archives of this discovers it and is like wow this is entertaining and then they listen to us talk about a global pandemic and a quarantine like wait what happened I hope a young person who doesn't really process this is listening to this years from now and is like, "What? I have to go look at this. But we end our podcast, Christian, every week with a final question. And I do believe you have prepared a final question for us this week. I have. The question for this week is, if you were the Ghost Rider, what would your vehicle be? So I thought about this. And I didn't think about it that hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Because instantly, the first answer that came to my mind was Vespa Scooter. And then the second thought that came to my mind was Segway. And then I had to decide on which one I thought Ghost Rider riding would look funnier on. And I came to the conclusion that I think Segways are just universally funny. And if you didn't know, they, they are no longer making Segways, by the way, as of last week. Um, so rest in the most peace to the Segway. But I think they're universally funny But I had this mental image of the Ghost Rider in his leather jacket, engulfed in flames, his big skull, sitting on a little Vespa scooter, scooting around Rome, Italy, with people sitting on the side, drinking 
espresso and eating pizza and just being horrified at this what they're seeing roll down the street. And I could not stop laughing for about 15 minutes while I was at the gym the other day. So to me, that has to be my answer. That is a great answer. Uh, that would be hilarious to see the Devil's Bounty Hunter just cruising down the street, going a whopping four miles an hour on a Segway. Uh, I, I would pay anything to see that. For me... Actually, I, I really laughed when he said scooter, because instead of going Vespa scooter, I went Razor scooter. I, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I'm, I'm like what I like to call a cul-de-sac kid, you know, when I was a young boy, I used to go out with all the neighborhood kids and run around in the cul-de-sac and ride my scooter around, and I would love to see Johnny Blaze fully ghost ridered out, flaming skull and, everyone, uh, and everything, just rolling down the suburbs on a flaming kick scooter. Nothing would bring me more joy than that image. No, that would be hilarious. Also, too, it would add an attack to his arsenal um, because we all know nothing hurts more than getting hit in the ankle with a Razor scooter. So could you imagine if he had that thing all with all his demon possession powers and then he hit you in the ankle? I think that would be the most devastating attack probably in the whole first Ghost Rider movie. Oh man, that would take anyone out. I mean, if if I got hit in the ankles right now that with a razor scooter, that'd be a fate worse than death. I mean, I'm surprised they never went for that in a Saw movie. <laughs> like that could easily be one of the final puzzles you got to get out of when Jigsaw's got you captured. Is oh great, now you've got to escape the uh, razor scooter room of doom. <laughs> like yeah, I want it. You just walk in and there's a bunch of Razor scooters going on like a fan motion and you have to try and make your way across the room without getting your ankles shattered. I mean, that is actually kind of terrifying. Sounds awesome. I'm here for it. I, I'm, I'm imagining the pain right now and it's not great. Uh, but I think that's all we've got, Christian. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up here? No, that is it. Um, I think we have thoroughly sold Ghost Rider and why everyone here should go out and watch this movie right now. Guys, I think it's important to remember, too, as you listen to these, and if you're sitting there going, I don't know if they liked this movie. No one likes this movie. It's a bad movie. We're not saying it's a great movie, but it's a lot of fun. I talk about these movies a lot in terms of, like, I call it, like, turn-off-your-brain media, where it's like, if you've had, you know, times are tough, right? There's a global pandemic. There's a quarantine. A lot of us haven't left our houses in months. If you just need to take for two hours, turn your brain off, have an adult beverage, watch this movie, because you will laugh. You will be entertained. You won't think very hard. It'll be a great moment for you to forget about the crushing weight of society, but you will have a good time watching it. And I think that's what you should take away from these, is that a lot of these movies are fun to watch. They're not good movies, but they are fun. I completely agree. You know, ultimately, that's all... Cinema should be at the end of the day. Uh, I love cinema, good and bad movies alike, and this is something I find entertaining. And if you're like me and you find stuff like this entertaining, put it on. I don't think you'll be disappointed. No, I think it's a good way to spend uh, an evening, to be honest with you. Gather with your partner, have a glass of wine, laugh at Nicolas Cage being the devil's bounty hunter. It's a worthwhile adventure. Uh, well, Christian, I think that wraps us up here. You know, we end, we end every time. Stay frosty, my friend. Stay frosty, Connor.